Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello there. We are back and about ready to hit the road. Another day, another week, and another Ayers on the Road just coming around just like crazy. We're going on the road a long way. We're going to try to do the next couple of shows from Indonesia and Kuala Lumpur and Singapore if we can do them by Skype. So tune in over the next couple of weeks and you'll hear us speaking foreign languages. (laughs) And we're going to be 15 hours ahead, so I'm not sure what time um, it's going to be there, but we'll work that out and hope that we can uh, be in touch. And, of course, we'll be on uh, no matter what. But, Linda, what are we thinking about this week on Ayers on the Road? You know, we've been thinking a lot about exposing our kids to diversity and getting them out of their bubble. Um, Kids really have um, a lot of safety in a bubble uh, where they live. And, you know, I I hate to mention this because some people so disagree with me, but my... um, my mantra has always been in dealing with children and when things are going just perfectly, um, I always say if life is just a bowl of cherries, hire a wolf to knock at your door. And I think it's important to really expose kids to different things in their lives and a diversity. I mean, we'll oh, start with just diversity. You're, what you're really saying is you think you have to make it tough on kids. You think that... You have to make sure their lives are not too easy. Well, I think our kids live, most of them, live pretty much in a dream. Um, I mean, obviously, everybody doesn't have all the resources they want. They don't necessarily live where they want and so on and so on. But the more we go to third world uh, countries and situations, the more we realize that we really do live in a bubble here unless we can expose our kids to some diversity. And it is, you don't have to go to Kuala Lumpur. Um, there's diversity everywhere. In fact, you'll have to tell a little bit about our experience in our restaurant in Salt Lake City uh, recently. Well, before I get to that, let me let me jump way back a little bit earlier and say that um in fact, we wrote our article uh, in the Deseret News on, on this this week, the idea that a couple of decades ago, while we were right in the thick of raising our children, and they were all somewhat small, and they all lived in a bubble, we got so concerned about it. We may have been overly concerned about diversity. We just felt like it was, I don't even know if we called it diversity then. We We just wanted our kids to have some breadth. We wanted them to be citizens of the world, whatever that means. We wanted them to be comfortable in lots of different situations. And most of all, we wanted them to feel um, at ease and not out of their comfort zone when they were with people who were very different than they were than they are, either in race or in religion or in uh, background, economic background, and so on. So we, we went a little overboard, I guess, or maybe you'd say a little extreme, we decided that we wanted to raise our children not just in one place, particularly because the one place was the east bench of Salt Lake City. And when we would go in the kids' classroom, and again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. This was just what was on our minds at the time. We'd go in their classroom and 
And it would look like they were all the other kids in their class were their brothers and sisters, or at least their cousins. And we just felt strongly at that time that we wanted to get them out of that bubble and out of the sort of conformity of the East Bench of Salt Lake City and wanted them to have diversity. And so what did we do? Well, I was working sort of in two places at the time. We had some responsibilities in Washington, D.C., as well as in Utah. And so we decided we were going to move back and forth every couple of years, not not rapid fire, not a month here and a month there, but a couple of years in Salt Lake City and then a couple of years in McLean, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. And the idea was it won't be so hard for the kids because it won't be like they're moving every couple of years because they'll be moving back to a place where they already have familiarity and a certain set of friends, but they'll just be a different set of friends than in Salt Lake because when we would walk into their classroom in Washington, it didn't look like cousins at all. It looked like the United Nations. It looked like people from all over the world, and there really were kids and people from all over the world there. And our reasoning was, by doing this, our kids will grow up to be very, very capable of handling different, diverse situations and dealing with people from very different cultures and backgrounds and with different viewpoints of the world. And we actually did that for a while, Linda. Yeah, we did not every two years, but, you know, every few years. We did that at two or three times, maybe. Three and different times we moved back to Washington, D.C. Well, I have to say, though, that everybody can't move back to Washington, D.C. Well, and this, this wasn't a luxury. It was necessary for the job, too. We just decided it was sure. a good thing for the kids. Right, and some people can do that because often there's there's so much travel now um, in the world that sometimes that's possible, but but more often not possible. In fact, this came up at Thanksgiving dinner this year because we have um, a niece and her husband and four kids who moved back to Omaha, Nebraska for a year. And um, they were just saying, you know, that was so good for our kids. It was so good for them to get them out of their bubble and to have them realize that there's more to the world than their little surroundings. But the cousin, the niece sitting next to her said, well, we have lived in Layton, Utah our entire lives, and we are just fine. Um, our kids are doing great. They're happy. They're involved in the high school. They would die if we took them out of their high school right now. And, and often it, it might be destructive for some children. I, I do have to say that when we moved to England, we did that a couple of times, too. We moved to England when our kids were just really small. Our oldest was five, and we had four. And then um, we came home for 10 years, and then we went back again. And we took the kids out of school, and by then we had high school kids. And I have to say that one of our daughters, who was a sophomore in high school, cried every day all the way to school in her ugly brown uniform. She hated it. She was like, why have you done this to me? Why, why? And then we come home. Five years later, she calls me one day and said, Mom, that is the best thing you ever did for me. It is so, I am so grateful for that experience. It made me expand. So, and maybe this, the outcome is not always that happy in every case, but we have found that it has really helped. 
Well, and I and I, you know, some some listeners may be wondering where are the Iyers going with this one? Are they telling me that it's a good idea to move my children to a new school every couple of years and so on and so forth? Well, you know, I think that every family has to, every parent has to find what they think is best for their own children. And I've already admitted we were a little maybe overboard about the need and desirability of diversity. But here's the main thing that was sort of off in our thinking. I, By the way, I'm glad we did what we did, and I think it did benefit our kids in many, many ways. But where we were really off in our thinking was our underestimation of how much diversity there really is right along the Wasatch Front of Utah. And it's pretty much true of anywhere. I mean, there are some places, let's be honest, there are some places in America and some places in the world where you are so isolated and you are so sort of stuck in one kind of culture and one kind of uh, lifestyle that there really is not very much diversity. But that, that is certainly not true of the Wasatch Front of Utah, and it's not true of most at least medium-sized cities. There, there's a lot of diversity, but you have to extend yourself a little to find it. In other words, if you are just going to be content to stay right in your own comfort zone and and live in your own neighborhood and go to your church and be with the same people week after week, month after month, there's a wonderful stability to that, and a lot of deep friendships develop and so on. But if diversity is your goal, and if you want your children to be comfortable in different places and different environments, if you think that's going to be important to them as they grow up and go out on their own, then you need some kind of a plan to expose them to more diversity to get them out of their bubble. Our plan was extreme, move back and forth. But by the way, one message to parents who maybe have to move for their career or for their their jobs or whatever, don't resist it so terribly because it might be doing the very thing we did and it might work out in the very same positive way. But back to my earlier <laughs> oh, premise. But before before you get too far past that, I have to say sometimes the biggest problem with the move is the grandparents. They yeah, do true. not want those kids to leave their little nest and, and you know, certainly that that is valid in some cases, but um, it really is also important to consider that right. you learn so much. Well, and my and my point is in hindsight, we realized that the, the main reason we didn't think there was very much diversity in Salt Lake City when, 20 years ago is because we weren't taking advantage of the diversity that was actually there. We just weren't exposing ourselves or our kids to it. And we've done a lot better since, and we know a lot of other parents who have done a lot better since. And so that kind of leads into a couple of stories we want to tell you about the diversity that uh, we just found last week here along the Wasatch Front. But um, maybe we'll do that after the break. And, and before the break, I will just say that, well, maybe I can do one story now, and then we'll do one when we come back, um, uh, or a couple of just quick ones. We, um, we used to go sometimes on Easter Sunday to the Calvary Baptist Church. Why did we do that, Linda? 
Oh, my gosh. It was so much fun. I have to admit, we went to her own church first, but then we did. We went down there because the music is fabulous. The hats were out of this world. I mean, the enthusiasm for Easter and for Jesus it was so stunning that we thought, this is really fun. Let's just try this. And the message there is, is there just one way to celebrate Easter? No. Is there just one way to worship Jesus? No. There are many ways, and sometimes it's good for kids to see that there are many ways to do that. Another quick example is that uh, our daughter now lives in Ogden. And um, I'll tell you what, there is so much diversity right where she lives. She and her husband and their five children live in the restored historic part of Ogden, and they live in a wonderful Victorian home that's been restored and they have on their block as much diversity as you would find on any street in Chicago or New York City. They have racial diversity, they have religious diversity, they have income diversity and they enjoy it. They enjoy having acquaintances from many different places, many different walks of life. And, and by the way, uh, you mentioned restaurants. I'm going to tell after the break an experience we had in Salt Lake City, very diverse, just last week. But I'll tell you what, if you want a lot of good ethnic ref- restaurants in one single block, you need to go to 25th Street in Ogden, just below Washington Boulevard. And you can have yourself some great Thai food or some great sushi or some wonderful Mexican food, food or kinds. Mexican food. You can get just about anything you could get on the Upper East Side of New York on 2nd Avenue. Well, we'll be telling you a few more little stories when we come back right after this break. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. You know, I think that our first glimpse of diversity with our kids when they were little was down at the homeless shelter. We had so much fun. It was a little daunting at first, but we went down actually to the family shelter with our kids and then um, had such a good time talking to those families and, and realizing that, ah, oh, except for the grace of God, there go we. Just hard luck and bad times and so on. And then we got a little braver and we went to the men's shelter a couple of times and uh, helped with dinner and so on. And then we just circulated around and talked to everyone and, and had the same kind of feeling. I mean, true, there are probably some crazy people there, but most of them were such good hearts and really trying to do their best. I mean, they're the ones that were there getting dinner, not the panhandlers that were out on the street, I have to say. But it was such an eye-opening thing for our kids. Well, and that is the point. I mean, there's tremendous diversity in Salt Lake City and, again, in most medium to large-sized cities in the country. And part of that diversity, you make a good point, Linda, is is economic diversity. And even if you're not a rich person, you if you're a person that has food on your table, it it doesn't cost very much to arrange to share with those who have less, to go to a homeless shelter, to try to find ways to help those who are homeless or whatever. Although I will say one problem in Salt Lake City right now is there is a, a lot of panhandling going on and 
it it gets a little oppressive sometimes. Our solution to it, I don't know if it's a great one or not, but uh, you know that people say don't 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 give handouts. Instead, uh, refer them to shelters and so on. So we always do that, but. We also give them a food coupon. We give them a McDonald's uh, voucher or, or a Wendy's coupon or something because at least then we think maybe our gift will get them some food. But going to the shelters is a great thing to do with the kids, like you mentioned, Linda. And there's there's so many things you can do. Look at just the ethnic fairs, the the cultural fairs that right. happen in Salt Lake. And also um, the International Rescue Committee. We had a good time with them at one time when our kids were home, because at that time there were a lot of Russian uh, uh, immigrants coming in with absolutely nothing. And we had so much fun gathering up furniture and goods and so on and taking it down to them. And then actually one time with a youth group, we actually had a Christmas party for a bunch of Muslims. Now, if you can believe that, <laughs> that was a little bit odd. But we wanted them to know how we celebrated Christmas by giving gifts. And so we just gathered gifts. The Salvation Army helped us and we gathered some gifts. It wasn't just our family. It was a big group of people. But it was so fun to see the light in their eyes and for our kids to realize that women with with uh, scarves on and long uh, dresses with the abaya on are not scary people. They're just like any other people. They're just absolutely terrific and struggling in their lives with certain things as as well as we are. Well, you're getting at the heart of what our what our worry was way back 20 years ago, and and. We're just expressing now that there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more than one way to solve it. But the worry, the legitimate worry then and now, is the last thing that most of us as parents want is for our children to feel afraid of people who are different than they are, to actually um, you know, think that perhaps those people aren't as good as they are or that there's something to fear about them. Instead of saying... The the things that people have in common are, you know, a hundred times more than the things that divide them, even though some sometimes the things that make people different are very obvious because they have to do with appearance or with language or with customs or with cultures. But to help kids get through that is so important. And, of course, don't forget books and, 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 and even television, although... We've always made a point that seeing it on TV or reading it in a book is not quite the same as experiencing it, but it's still certainly a good thing. And parents, we know so many parents who try so hard to expose their kids to other cultures and other ideas through what they encourage them to read and through what they read to them when they're when they're little kids. Yeah, absolutely. That is a huge resource because just a book can get you out of the bubble. So, well, in fact, I think we've mentioned this book before, but there's our new favorite book for kids this year is, is one called Wonder, just Wonder. And it's just a fabulous story of a young boy who was born with a horrible facial def- deformity. I mean, he just looked worse than any Halloween character you can imagine in the description of him. But his mother finally sent him to school after homeschooling him in the fifth grade. And what he found there was so interesting. You know, kids who knew how to handle that, who just had an inner sense of this person may look different, but I know that he's a good person, to the bullies who 
surrounded him and took advantage of him and so on. And it's just such a heartwarming story. And as you can guess, it turned out well. It doesn't always, as we know. But um, those kinds of things are so important to expose your children to and to get them ready to face something like that and how to react to someone that looks different than they do. By the way, I think last week, correct, you've got a better memory than I do, Linda. I think on the show last week, speaking of bullying, that we mentioned a new movie called Nowhere Safe which probably will not be released in theaters, but which will be available in, on, C, uh, on DVD and, and in Redbox. And hopefully in schools. And hopefully in schools. And it is a, it's a wonderful movie about bullying. It's done by, produced by a good friend of ours named Paul Parkinson and directed by a wonderful director um, by the name of Bruff. The, the, we've met the Bruff family recently in their filmmakers and distributors, and uh, Brian is the director, and his sister Brittany is the screenwriter, and they do a remarkable job, so watch for that. But that, in a way, bullying is related to the issue of diversity. Uh, so often, the, the kids who get bullied in school are the ones who are different. Absolutely. Who look different, who yeah. sound different, who have a different culture and so on. And ironically, they're the very kids that our kids, if you're, if our kids are in the majority, then, then they're the very kids that our kids ought to be befriending for their own benefit so that they can begin to have exposure to something they're not used to. And so that really is the key. We want to teach our children to when they see something in another person that's very different than themselves, instead of feeling fear or feeling the need to make fun of or to ostracize or to bully, we want them to feel, wow, that's interesting. This is very different than, than what I know. I need to get to know this, this person, this child, because I'll be able to learn something from them because they're very different than I am. And, you know, it's so interesting that kids who are bullies usually come they come from a situation that makes them feel insecure, so they need to make somebody else feel worse than they do. and uh, Or they just haven't been trained. I just think it's so important to talk about this with our kids at home because I've had wonderful parents just be mortified when they realize that their child is, is bullying somebody or being less than kind at school. And... Um, I think the the bottom line is really to talk about it. Often you go back and and if you meet the parents of a real serious hardcore bully, you go, okay, I get it. Yeah, that's why this child is acting like this. But I think sometimes it's just lack of training to talk about it in a family meeting, to um, ask them about who might be bullied at school and what they can do to help. Or just, and, or just ask them who, you know, Who's the most, who, in your school or in your class, who's the person who is the most interesting and the most different from you? Right. And just get them thinking about that as an intriguing, happy, good thing. You know, it goes back to what you said earlier about our daughter, Shawnee, when we moved to England and suddenly there she was in a foreign environment wearing a school uniform with kids who had a British accent and she didn't and and feeling completely like the one who is different from, you know, it's like that old game or that old song, one of these things is different. 
right. and that's that's how she felt. But the reason she called you later and was so excited of what she'd learned is because that gave her the perspective so that from then on in her life, whenever she would see someone who was now playing the role she played, who was the, the odd man out, the one who was different, she would be the one to go right over and befriend them because she knew how they were feeling because she had been there. She had felt that. Yeah, you know, actually that's one of the very best side effects that we had from our movings back and forth. And some, some of them we had control of and some we didn't. But um, I remember when we moved back to Virginia, we had um, a sophomore, a, a son who was a sophomore, who was, you know, the big man on campus. He knew everyone. Everyone loved him. He was such a great guy. And then we get there to this new high school, and he, he is the nerd. Suddenly, people don't know who he is. They think he's strange. He sat by himself every day in the cafeteria. And I, eventually he made some friends, and, and it was okay. But on our way home, um, actually on the plane, he came to me and said, or maybe we drove that time. I don't know if that was horrendous if, it, if, if we did. But anyway, um, he came and said, you know, Mom, I am making a goal, and that is I am not once a week in the cafeteria at the high school. I am not going to sit by my friends. I'm going to look around and see who looks like they need a friend, and I am going to go sit by them because he knew, again, how that felt to be the one that was left out, the one that nobody liked, and so on and so on. And, you know, sometimes those hard times are the thing that produce the very best results. Absolutely. And can you believe it, Linda, another... Ayers on the Road has slipped by. We, the shows are never long enough. We have much more we'd like to say. But let us just kind of wrap up by saying that um, all, you know, exposing kids to diversity, if done in the right way, can solve a multitude of problems. It can cut down on fear. It can give your children a sense of confidence and as citizens of the world. And it can make them much more tolerant and much more accepting of people who are not like they are. So may we all find our own way to help our kids get out of their bubble into diversity, and may we especially beware of the dangers and the tragedies of bullying that sometimes result from kids who don't accept diversity very well. And so we hope to be um, calling from the road next week. uh, Wish us the best. We're really hoping we can do that. So hope all is well. Talk to you next time.